Welcome to The Builder Seat, a Roblin Contracting Incorporated podcast, shining a light on the people of Roblin, our partners, our exceptional projects, our culture, and core values we uphold every day. On this week's episode, our very own Hitesh Dewan interviews Roblin's Vice President of Healthcare Market Segment, Andrew McLean. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the Builder Seat. Last week, we had the pleasure of meeting Lisa Orgera, our Director of Safety and Risk Management. If you haven't checked out that episode, I recommend you uh, pop in and give that a listen. This week, I'm excited to introduce Andrew McLean, our Vice President of the Healthcare Market Segment here at Roblin Contracting. Andrew, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Glad re- to be here. Really glad. You and I have known each other for a couple of years, so we're going to try to play this as if I don't know you yet. All right. I'd love for everybody to get to know Andrew. There are a lot of leaves on this artichoke, <laughs> and we're using we're going to use some healthcare puns and All some right. healthy food puns. Love it. And because you're you know in the healthcare market segment, let's start off by getting to know a little bit about you personally. I know that you've got a drive for health that fits obviously very well with your work here at Roblin. Sure. First and foremost, I'm a McLean, and that may not say a lot to others, but it's it certainly in my blood and helps describe to me who who I am. You know, son, brother father, husband, friend, builder, reader, entrepreneur, failed a few times. <laughs> no, I, I'm taking all the life lessons and relationships that I've built along the way. And um, and here I am and bring it to, to Roblin Healthcare. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there you go. Right. Leaves on that art joke. There's, uh, there's so many facets to us and to you, especially as I've learned. Yeah. Ro- Roblin Healthcare is not really what I showed up for. But it was a it was a long passion that was in there from past experience. Actually, in inside story that not even you know, mm. healthcare really does have a deeper meaning to me. You know, I, I was born with a, a spinal defect, um, a, a rare form of spinal bifida. Um, doctors said he will likely not walk, uh, may not even survive. You know, this was at birth. So because of the technology at that time, ten years earlier. Probably wouldn't have happened, you know, but at that right time, you know, Dr. Waters, remember his name, um, left a good old scar on me. But um, because of him, you know, he beat the odds. I beat the odds. Maybe that is my true story of, of why healthcare is so important to me. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Thank you yeah. for sharing. And, sure. And I mean, that's that vulnerability I think we've always talked about is that, you know, there's something in there that most people don't know. And that sure. that is a personal drive. Yep. Wow. Amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So that that personal passion of yours, you know, you've got this kind of hook into healthcare and how it changes lives. Um, talk to us about how you've seen the healthcare market transform since you've joined. It's it's uh, grown quite a lot. It's it's been uh, organic in nature. Healthcare kind of started really maybe five years ago in earnest as being a dedicated market. I stepped into the the role. We we started building the team. You know, all our work is. TI remodel base. So we're in the heart of the hospital, which is a different type of construction than, you know, ground up hospitals. So it takes a different type of people, a different type of mindset Mm -hmm. to go into hospitals and do this work. You know, you're, you're right next to patients. Sometimes you see little kids in beds, you see old people in beds, you know, so we really see it on us. It's our job to, you know, be this extra set of hands for the hospital to care for patients and to show we care and to um, change lives. And, and really, you know, our company mission of improving the lives of others is really well supported um, 
by ours in, in healthcare, you know, we talk about the team all the time. Our job is to change and save lives of the people in our communities. And I really impress that upon our team that what you do is equally as important as the doctors, nurses, firefighters, you know, everyone who gets them there, who's helping them there. If we don't execute our mission, those people's lives aren't changed or saved. So trying to find that goal bigger than ourselves, that certainly is. And it changes the way you work. It changes the way you think about your work. It, it becomes way more personal. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, you you made a very good point there that our team that's kind of boots on the ground or in, in the hospital for that matter, we have to act like extra hands uh, mm -hmm. to the team. You'd say that probably takes a whole new level of care. You know, it's, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't want to call it kid gloves, but kind of that concept of, you know, it's an extra almost white glove approach. That's absolutely, that's exactly what we call it. White glove approach, ghost protocol. We also talk about yeah. in the office or, or, you know, when we're on job sites, you, you kind mm -hmm. of, you have to be there, but disappear. Not too many people are thrilled that we're ever there. We're, we're making noise. We're obstructing uh, normal operations. So be there, care. It's, it's a higher burden to work in these facilities. Sure. Well, and uh, I, I suppose an orange vest and a hard hat is a completely different look than uh, most doctors' coats and nurses' scrubs. It, it is, uh, you know, and we talk about you know your family needs you. That that's safety motto. It's on all of our hard hats. Well, we saw that as an opportunity of well, the general public doesn't know what that means, mm -hmm. and we're passing shoulders for most people who are you know if you're at the hospital, you probably didn't choose to go there. It's probably not a good day. Could be an awful day. So we said, well, why and FY, what's that mean to the public? If they're in construction, maybe they know. We said, let's spell it out because we want that extra push and, and how we work in these facilities. That's just a free way to help someone have a better day, you know, to reframe their mindset. You know, I've just gotten into a book about the power of subconscious mind and seeing that imagery on shirts of our, our staff walking in and out. That's just a powerful tool that that's it's free. You yeah. know, it's a free service that that we bring and a quality of construction that, that matters to us. Yeah. Yeah. The power of the subconscious mind or subconscious imagery and everything. It, it's very huge. You're right. I mean, just a, a glimpse of somebody walking by, mm -hmm. you know, again, the difference of if you see a, one of our workers walking by and they've just got, you know, a dirty uniform and tracking footprints through the hallway and things like that. I mean, it's just even if you didn't interact with that person, you would see that. And so I can see why there's this higher level of care, higher level of service. And, you know, you're right about not wanting to be in a hospital. I don't think there's ever a time. And I, and I started in healthcare. That's the other thing, too. I'm, you know, I as I when I was an intern engineer, I started in healthcare and I worked in hospitals and it was about the last place I wanted to be until I realized what an impact it made on the lives around us. Yeah. And then it kind of gives you an understanding of, you know, this this is a very noble effort. And the more care you can put into it, the happier you can make somebody. Because, again, yeah, it's like showing up to, a you know, an auto repair shop. You don't usually go there because you're having a good day, you know? Yeah, I, I struggled early on building, you know, large buildings, even large medical buildings, you know, ground up stuff. But it was always very cold. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I saw all the fancy finishes. I, I, I saw, you know, demoing buildings, bringing them out of the ground. Um, but a lot of people in construction never get to see the end user. And, and that's that human connection that was important to me that, that I think we connect for the rest of our team as well you really see you you close the feedback loop on what it is you do i wouldn't replace it for anything 
Yeah. No, that's uh, it's an amazing feeling to know that you've made a difference uh, and, and to be able to see it and recognize it. Like you said, if you right. can see, you know, the person who's going to interact with the space you've created, it's mm -hmm. much more important than just having sort of spun off a, a cold shell and walked away. Right. You know, right. Very true. Uh, since we've known each other, you've kind of moved towards the uh, leadership role uh, side of things, really helping lead this team that, you know, didn't really exist. I mean, it, it was kind of it did loosely exist and uh, your influence has really changed it. And so I'd love to put a little spotlight on your leadership style because that's very unique and it's very effective to be able to connect with people here and with our clients. So let's right. talk about that. Oh, boy, this is the the woo woo side. Yeah. Um, how, how do we describe that? Well, to me, what I've kind of broken all down to is there's a few books that obviously shaped my my thoughts on this mm -hmm. leadership and self-deception being the primary one, the one I think I've handed out to yeah. anyone who I've will got take it out of my hand. I've got a copy that shaped me at a great time in, in my life. It really hit home. So taking that, you know, seeing people as people, that sounds like a very simple statement. It's very difficult to do. Um, we often, because of, uh, time and the speed of life around us objectify people. We see them as a means to an end. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I need to get information out of this person. I need this person to do something for me. You're, you're seeing them not as an equal to you. So that material really hit home for me. And I've tried to live that, you know, no one does that perfectly all day long. Mm -hmm. It's the degrees to which you can do that throughout the day that really increase value and trust and strengthen the team. When you see other people as you know, equal to you, they have the same hopes, fears, dreams as you do, you begin to spend more time with those people. And once you spend more time with people, you get to know them better. You're building bonds. You know, this is, this is how tribes work. And then you get to that critical step of trust. Once you can establish trust and build trust, you're there. Yeah, I mean, everything right. on top of that is just added benefits. What I've talked about before is, is time is a critical sacrifice that you have to give to, to your people. Um, we all recognize time as an internal currency and people appreciate when you give them more of your time, that that's, that's currency to them. They, they understand that they respect it. I'm a one phone guy, one phone on all the time. I'm often responding pre-work, post-work weekends. You know, I just, I make myself completely available to the team and try to come in every morning thinking, how do I, how do I serve the team? You know, think outward towards them and their needs. You know, it's a, it's a servant leadership model, really. Sure. Well, and it, I think it really expresses the idea that, you know, you do have a second family. I mean, you, you have a first family, you know, and you have an extended family. Yeah. And now you have your Roblin family. Yep. And I think that exudes the idea that we all have here that we seem to share is the Roblin family kind of motto. The Roblin family concept is, you know, I even when I came here, I think I had a I had a light connection. Right. You know, it's, mm -hmm. when you're when you're new to any organization, you have a light connection. You kind of get to know people. They get to know you. But it's still on the surface, like you mentioned, you know, mm -hmm. with more time, with time as a sacrifice is very true. You know, it's probably one of the harder pills to swallow, so to speak, is, yeah, you, you've got to invest that time, you know, take that walk around the building, you know, have that coffee, have that lunch, uh, you know, just express or, or for that matter, listen. You know, that's a very big part of it. Like you said, is if, if you can even just lend an ear to your team and, right. and they know you're available, right. you've sacrificed your time in a very positive way and you've let yourself open, you know, to, to understanding. And then that bond is built. And I, I would say, yeah, I'd say Roblin is my extended family. I already know that. You know? Sure. That, that's why we're here. Yeah. 
some people tread lightly on on saying a family environment. They, they, they don't know. They don't quite know how to to work in in that. But for me and in, in my style, I can't not um, think about. You know, I I can't draw the line. You know, I I do know the genetic <laughs> uh, break between that, but it's it's more tribalism, really. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I have to treat them like they're 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 part of my tribe, and they and everyone is. Well, that's the difference between working with colleagues and working with your tribe. You know, correct. Working with your people, and, right. and that's the thing: seeing people as people, right? We, right. We've recognized each other. We know who who we are. We know what we stand for. It's more than just we came to work together. It's the most basic human at our at our deepest level. You know, we're not at Dunbar's number yet of one fifty. You know, at least not in, in healthcare. So I've been able to to manage that. Um, yeah. If we can recreate a bunch of leaders who can manage their tribes, that can all work well together, very well in a bigger organization. Yeah, absolutely. No, that definitely makes sense. That's a very unique leadership style, I would say, you know, again, in this industry and having worked, each of us have all worked for different companies and, and have different types of management styles we've seen. Yeah. There's uh, something to be said about the get to know you management style. It transcends management style at that point. It, it is really just the get to know you leadership and the get to know you group. Right. You can't say people are a number one asset and not put the majority of your focus towards your people. Yeah. That's a disconnect that I don't see. You're either doing that or you're saying it. Yeah. You know, that that's the only route you can really take there. Yeah, very true. So Andrew, I want to go back to speaking a little bit about you personally. Mm -hmm. And again, your personal drives, both in your life, your family life, perhaps, and your work life. And we were talking about vulnerability earlier. You were very kind and brave to share your story. You know, your first situation in life that you had to overcome is not what everybody has to go through. It's not something that I know you generally share because it's not like a, you're not trying to hold that out there and say, I've, this is what I overcame. But vulnerability is huge. It is a, an enormous trust builder. I, I've said it a fair amount that vulnerability is maybe one of the best leadership traits that are out there. Now, at this point, you know, have reading so many books, I'm, I'm trying to bring it all in together to, to one unifying theory. Vulnerability to me is in my top, top five for sure. But that's also back to the seeing people as people. Being vulnerable is no longer risky. Being vulnerable in someone shows a level of trust. Usually you're going to have to take the first step towards them. Mm -hmm. and, and, and be vulnerable. So yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty open book with all of our team. I try to have as many real human interactions. I talk about my flaws and where I think people on our team are better than me and where I think they should step up in certain positions, say, you are better than me at this. And that's a hard pill to swallow because really in what we do in healthcare, it's not one big team. It's not one big tribe that sits in one room and does one big job. You know, it's, it's four or five different locations. So you're building these micro tribes and they all have to be highly functioning together. So, and that's the real hard skill in leadership is building great teams that all mesh and can execute the plan and the mission. Sure. We're in construction. We build buildings. If you think about the way we build a structure, you couldn't just have somebody who only had beams to offer to build the whole thing, right? There's, there's columns, there's beams, there's trusses, there's, there, there are different elements even to a building and every element has its best possible purpose. Right. And there's, if all you could do was offer everybody, this is my beam. Mm-hmm. Well, terrific. You know, you, you can't just build a building with just that. You right. Know, you're going to need 
better materials. You're going to need better suggestions. You're going to need different materials. Again, the best for the, the position, for the job. It's uh, very important to get rid of that ego to be able to allow that to kind of bubble to the surface. So then I have a question for you, though. Oh, okay. So going back to vulnerability and having to take the first step, I, I would imagine there are a lot of people listening who don't really follow this concept. It, maybe it's the first time they've heard it, being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's tough to be vulnerable. Uh, mm -hmm. I would say absolutely, you know, depending on your mixed company. And, and again, if you're new to an organization, being vulnerable is definitely a lot tougher than if you're established at least some rapport across the board. So maybe what are your suggestions for somebody who Perfect. is right there, right? Right yep. there. They're on the, the tip of going, okay, I get the concept of vulnerability, but... It's simple. You don't have to step into someone's office and start telling your deepest secrets and, and crying in mm -hmm. front of them, right? Oh, I don't, I shouldn't do that. If you, you can come <laughs> into my office and cry. That's why I put the couch in there. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Um, so the another little meme that I, I talk with our team the whole time, and, and this is where it is. This is what vulnerability is. And, and the tagline I saw, it was spray painted on a, on a trailer. I, I saw it on the internet somewhere. And the line went, your fear of looking stupid is holding you back. Yeah. And that's it. Even to this day, there'll still be people on the team that I know they have questions, but they won't ask because their fear of looking stupid. And that is, that's your caveman brain trying to protect you because you're... Don't get kicked out of the don't tribe. Don't get kicked out of the tribe because that mm -hmm. was assuredly death. Mm -hmm. You know, today that, that doesn't exist. So we try, that's vulnerability, asking the questions that you fear are stupid or taking the things that f make you nervous, you know, those are the, the easiest, that's the easiest thing you can do to show and um, in return, get back vulnerability. If, if, if you can start building that trust with the team by knowing that we're not guarded, we're not protected, we're not scared of, you know, there's not going to be people laughing and pointing their fingers at me. Right. These are the foundational blocks of building teams. Well, and I, I think, that's a terrific way you put it. I think it's bravery and vulnerability. I think they really go hand in hand. I mean, if we, I want to take a moment here to speak to Roblin specifically, our Roblin family who are listening, because I know that we've got quite a few people that listen internally to our own Roblin team. I think we all need to know that as an organization, as the Roblin team, we aren't the ones who are ever going to point and laugh and make fun of any kind of question because it's only going to make us collectively better, stronger, and more bonded to be able to be vulnerable and ask those questions. I think the biggest thing to say is it's brave for anybody to raise their hand and say, hey, I think this, or I don't know this, or who can we get to do this, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. But I think that level of vulnerability and bravery within our own company is necessary, you know, for that level of growth. Absolutely. It, it's, it's required to get where you need to go to have exceptional teams. Mm -hmm. You have to get past that step. Been here four and a half years. I've asked a lot of silly questions and I've still yet, at least in my face, mm -hmm. been, been, <laughs> yeah. been laughed at, you know, pointed at. So, um, and, and that's really it. You know, it's just your perception of that, that fear. It's like, yeah. if you know, you're not going to get laughed at or pointed at or ridiculed, yes. just, you got, you got to fire away. You have to be inquisitive. You, you have to, that's how you build you know, really your own selfishly. Yeah. If you're just thinking selfishly, not even the team selfishly, how I want to grow the fastest, yeah. you know, it's, it's like where my, my youngest son is right now. It's just so many questions nonstop. Yeah. Just will not stop. 
but you know, I don't tell them to stop because I don't want them to ever stop. That's right. Questioning. That's right. That's a a huge way to put it is, yeah, if you think about like an inquisitive child, right. And I I think children are the most innocent example of where I think we should all be. Everybody should have some level of childlike curiosity, as they say, being able to ask those questions. That's why they grow. That's why they accelerate. Yeah. Maybe that's a, that's a little question to pose to the audience in general is when's the last time you've asked five questions in a row? Right. Ever. Right. In the last five years, you know, 10 years. When's the last time you asked five questions in a row? It may have been when you were in school, but maybe not even then, right? Of any kind of any level of graduate learning, undergraduate, it doesn't matter. You almost always certainly stopped yourself. Yeah. You know, it wasn't because the person said, stop asking questions. You felt you were pestering or you felt something, you created a, a false sense of, I have to stop. This is too much. I'm pressing or, you know, you just, you can't stop. That's a very big point of personal growth is to get over the idea that, you know, you may have a spotlight on you mm-hmm. for having learned something you right. know, or asked a question because asking a question is learning something at the end of the day. And so, yeah, very good point yep. to everybody. And I'd say maybe just the, the final follow up to that idea is as an organization and as an industry, you know, speaking just straight to the construction industry, mm-hmm. we need to provide that level of comfort collectively. You know, I think that again, to a lot of the newer engineers and, and newer newer folks in general, just coming to the industry, there is a little bit of that hesitance of, oh man, there's these seasoned folks that are just not going to like what I say. You know, I you have to learn. And I think being, I guess I would call myself seasoned at this point, I've been in the industry long enough. Having been in the industry long enough, I don't think that there's a person that could come to me and say something that I would, first of all, be surprised about. I want to say I've kind of heard quite a bit of it, maybe not all of it, but quite a bit of it. Um, But I would hope to express that to anybody that's Mm -hmm. new in the industry that, yeah, fire away. Let's hear, you know, what do you have to say? What are your suggestions? What are your thoughts? Because I learn constantly from that, too. I think we as an industry will learn constantly from a newcomer's perspective. Mm -hmm. So providing that safe haven, Mm -hmm. that would be big. Yeah, it's 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 actually a really great feeling when you when someone maybe newer comes to you and starts to ask questions, you realize, wow, over the last 20 years, I've I've picked up quite a bit and it feels good to pass it on sure. to someone, you know, to, to help the team, to help that person grow. I just gave them their first little nugget and they're going to start stacking those and keep stacking them. And then yeah. eventually, you know, they're, they're going to climb up the ladder, too. That's great. Lots of great conversation, Andrew. I appreciate it. Whenever we end our podcast, we like to have a little segment called What's on Your Heart. Kind of what's on your mind, but what's on your heart? You know, what do you want to share? And I think I see your heart on your sleeve right there from uh, earlier. But I, It's been out of my chest for t- t- too long. I, there's no putting it back. Right. You know, really goes back to that reading the, the genie within is the, the power of the subconscious mind mm-hmm. and the power of, of positive thinking and positive talk. I want to say Matthew or Henry Carpenter, I forget I forget his name, we'll, but we'll put it in the in the show notes. Please we'll, do we'll watch your book suggestions. Power, in there. Powerful book, powerful yeah. book. Um, so personally, that's the angle I'm on right now. There, there's no fixed point. You know, I'm on this path. I, I just got to keep going. I am really eating this up right now and thinking about how my thinking and subconscious thinking can really change the direction of my life and, and those around me. So we want to thank everybody that's taken the time to listen to these podcasts and kind of hear our message. And we would love for you to reach out to any one of us. Feel free to reach out to us literally in any possible way. I think we are all connected somehow in LinkedIn, online, email, phone. You'll we're, find us in the yellow pages. We're out there. We're can't, out there. Can't miss us. No doubt. Thanks. Great. Thanks. 
Today's episode is produced and edited by Roblin's digital media specialist, Aaron Zaragoza. Hosted by Director of Strategic Operations, Hitesh Dewan. Original music by Superintendent of Concrete, Rich Collenberg. With music production by J.K. Northrup. Thank you for listening to The Builder Seat.